I'm thinking, wow, look at Sherry's scene. A mom lost. She's been dealing with health her whole life. And yet this girl has been a strong worship leader in her church. No matter what she has faced, she's stand, stood in faith. So let's keep praying for her also. And uh, Jack sends us greeting again. Every time I talk to Mary, he's very grieved that he's not with us this year. This is after 17 years. This is the first July he hasn't been with us. But let's keep praying with him. But he said something. And we seem to pray for each other. We seem to spark each other. But he said something that was, uh, I feel like, profound for us. And he said, the little foxes. Little foxes are the small irritations that trouble our faith in the Lord. In the Song of Solomon 2.15, it says, Catch the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. And it's our faith and it's our connection with Jesus Christ, who is the vine. And we're connected. And if we abide in the vine... There's that fellowship with God, and there's that confidence to keep moving forward no matter what comes against us. And it's those little irritations that we all go through that affect us and cause unbelief. Those irritations, those frustrations. <laughs> Jack was telling me, okay, you know, he says maybe some people don't think I'm really acting this, you know, really in faith. You know, they, they call and they encourage me, and he goes, I don't have this big old faith declaration. I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm in this place of familiar in my soul, and it's not feeling comfortable watching what my wife's go, my, my wife is going through. He said, also, he said, yesterday, my pool pump blew up, and I had water everywhere. Then he said, my air conditioner went out. My pool went green. And he said, the little foxes, the little things that you're dealing with one thing, but then all these other things come in, and they start eating at your faith. We have to keep rising above the foxes, the things, the little discouragement that you would just be okay if just this was not there. If I could just get this changed, everything would be okay. And we have to have that mindset. We have to keep throwing off the little foxes because they're stealing the joy of the Lord. They're stealing the confidence of who is with us. You know, we can get online anywhere. And Friday night, we were having our, our advisory board meeting, and Bruce Gessing says, what is your a login so I can get on your Wi-Fi? I go right there, go over there to our, our little hub there, and you can, it's right there, and he typed it in, and he got online. You can go almost anywhere in the world, and there's Wi-Fi hotspots, and you can hook on, and you've been connected. I tell you, our God is a God of the universe. He's invisible and everywhere. He's inside and outside of time and the universe. And I tell you, you can log in. And the code is the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, you have to log in to the Holy Spirit. And you have a God the Father. And I tell you, the little foxes and the things that are coming against us are trying to rob us in the confidence that the God of the universe is living inside of us. And what do we have to fear? And what are we uh, looking down about? And we can walk in a greater faith and a confidence of what's going on. I, know, I would like to tell you, yes, having that confidence, God, that everything is going to be great in your life and the reality that you live in is going to be unshakable or look beautiful. But that's not the case. That's why he calls us to believe and have faith because he knows we're in a world that is in contrary to the faith which is, resides in our heart. That was my intro. Now my message. And this is the word of the Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. More than ever before, God of the universe, the God that lives inside of us, wants us to take moments where we get quiet and we tune our heart to him because he wants to speak. 
there can be so many things going on and because the God of the universe is speaking and because his word says that the thoughts that he has towards us are like the sound, the, the sands of the sea every day, that's a lot of thoughts. Are we catching any of them? Are we listening to hear of any of the great thoughts that God has to say to us? As we tune, as we tune our Wi-Fi from our heart to God, I tell you, he wants to speak to us and lay a level of peace on us and confidence that we have not even yet experienced yet. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. My title, my message, my message is coming out of Samuel, if you haven't recognized it yet. And if you start reading in uh, Samuel 1.10, Hannah, is, it says that the Lord had closed her womb. Interesting. Why are we going through so, so many different things? Why, you ever ask yourself, why am I going through this? Why is this one thing I'm dealing with? Why? And it's interesting that God is a God of fruitfulness, and he breaks barrenness. But why did he close Hannah's womb? Because I believe the things that God puts in our way, the roadblocks, the, the tests, the opposition, are to ignite a heart of prayer, to ignite a place of intercession and bringing our heart past what is holding us back into a connecting with God. And that's what happened with Hannah. In 1 Samuel 1.10, it says that she was bitter of soul. Again, uh, being teased by uh, that other woman in the family who was having all these children, and uh, her, her husband Elkanai was loving on Hannah, but she was barren. And that was not doing anything for her. She wanted to bring forth a child. And so we see this dialogue begin in 1 Samuel between her and God, and out of that bitterness, she is crying out to God. And we know God opens her womb and gives her that promise. But what did she feel like during that time of the bitterness of soul when it turned into a cry of her heart in prayer? And sometimes we stay in this literal place of inactivity where we live with a condition or we live with something, but we never really use that situation to break into God's presence and to get a hold of the will of God. Hannah is an example in the Bible for us of prayer breakthroughs. Hannah declares or dedicates Samuel her son. In 1 Samuel 1.21, obviously, something has happened. Hannah told Elkanah, her husband, after the boy Samuel is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he, Samuel, will live there always. She had told God, if you give me a son... I'm going to give him right back to you. That's pretty big. You know, usually when we get a promise from God, we want to hold on to it. But there was something supernatural and miraculous working for both her plan and God's plan. That God wanted a man, God wanted someone who would take the call of God and rise up as an incredible man of God and priest in the house of God that had really gotten really bad. In 1 Samuel 1:24 through 24-28, in, in this one uh, verse, she says, I prayed the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. Aren't those the greatest feelings when you pray and God gives you what you ask for? Those are the, that was, that was this, that was Hannah's experience. And we're going to, there's some of these verses explain that. 
starting in verses 24 through 28, after Samuel was weaned, his mother Hannah took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and he brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. I wonder what she was feeling about. I know she was ecstatic that she had had this child, but this child now was uh, has a little bit of age on him. He had been weaned, but now she's coming to fulfill that promise. How many of us get from God, and there's a promise attached to it, but when it comes to us doing our part, do we follow through? Obviously, she was following through. When the bull was sacrificed, verse 25, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there in Shiloh. I was thinking about my mom praying for me. I remember the night I got saved, my mom was in the prayer room right at the altar time. She got up and went to the prayer room and I found out later she was praying for me. I know also my mom prayed that I would be a pastor. The power of a mom who's a godly woman who prays for her children. She prays destiny over them. She prays the call of God into their life and purpose. The Pictorial Bible Dictionary talks about Shiloh. It says, Shiloh, a city in the tribe of Ephraim, about 12 miles north and east of Bethel, and about the same distance south of Sychar, where Jacob's well was. Just east of the highway from Bethel to Shechem in Judges 21.19, Shiloh stood on an isolated hill which could easily be defended either against the Canaanites from the north or the Philistines from the southwest. Here the children of Israel under Joshua assembled after the first phase of the conquest of Canaan and set up the tabernacle, thus making Shiloh the capital of Canaan. Here the tabernacle remained till in the days of Samuel, about 400 years later, the ark representing the presence of God was removed in battle with the Philistines. Incredible. Shiloh, place of the ark. Here Samuel is going to grow up right under the presence of God in the Old Testament. That ark represented the incredible presence of God, which we freely enjoy now through Jesus Christ. And hopefully all of us have experienced this morning. Hannah has a prayer of celebration in 1 Samuel 2, 1-10. You can read that. Man, she is, talk about the barren woman who was singing. This girl singing out those 10 verses of all that her heart is now filled with because of what God has done for her. A prayer of incredible worship, incredible celebration from the answers to prayer. Samuel serves in the tabernacle in 1 Samuel 2.11. Then Elkanai, Samuel's father, went home to Ramah. But the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. At an early age, young Samuel was serving in the tabernacle at Shiloh, again where the ark of God's presence was. Samuel served Eli the priest. I just want to tell you, thank you for our advisory board. Thank you guys for serving with me, for serving us. Thank you our department heads, Jerry with the ushers and the Bible study and all that you do. Um, Bonnie, doing our books. All of you. Lita, Joe, all of you who have done so much, Donna, the prayer, 
All of you are involved with prayer, the worship team. All of you involved in serving us that we might serve God and build a community of believers where God's power and presence can rise up and where people can come in and get delivered and changed and transformed because we serve a God who's real, whose power is real to change our lives. But it takes people who are willing to submit and serve somewhere in the local church. We have a society today that wants to receive a lot, but nobody wants to really give out. We're expecting government to give and take care of everybody, but really we're supposed to band together as believers, serve each other, and serve the world in the way God would reveal to us. He's called for us to serve and to be in leadership. Is it easy to be under leadership or to be under leadership? No, I grew up in the church and I saw different weaknesses in people. And people today don't go to church because they see weaknesses in the church. Well, where else are people going to go? Church is a place for us in our hurting, in our places of needing healing, to come and be healed and transformed. People use that as an excuse not to go to church anymore because they got hurt in church or, oh, so-and-so's in church. Forget it! This is a place where healing comes. This is a place where ministry is offered to people. This is a place where the calling of God brings, gets developed, as we see in Samuel's life. As a little guy, he's just going to church. It's interesting, though, and all the time that we see Samuel in church and in this religious setting, even during and doing all the, the rituals and things that are involved, that were heavily involved in the tabernacle, that in all his works, he wasn't hearing God. He wasn't fellowshipping with God like we do. Eli has wicks, wicked sons. And again, the environment that Samuel is growing up under, he could have said, forget the church. Forget the tabernacle. There's too much sin going on here. It was more sinful in the tabernacle at that time in Shiloh than it was in the world. <clears throat> in 1 Samuel 2.17, this sin of the young men, Eli's sons, Hopni and Phinehas, was very great in the Lord's sight. For they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Again, I believe that even as Samuel was being raised up under Eli, and Eli had these wicked sons, and <clears throat> Eli had tried to correct his sons, but they wouldn't listen to their father. They wanted to be evil. That one of Samuel's greatest tests was happening, that he would choose to stay under and think of it. He wasn't feeling the presence of God. He wasn't hearing God. He was just in a religious place. You might be here today and thinking like, I don't even know if I want to come to this church anymore. I don't feel anything. Well, hang on. Just like people in the Bible are examples, and like whatever Samuel went through, there's going to be a reckoning point. There's going to be a point where things change and you experience God. And it ignites a passion to keep in there and keep going to church. Ministering before the Lord. 1 Samuel 2, 18-21. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing an ephod. The Bible Dictionary explains an ephod was a sacred vestment originally worn by the high priest. It was kind of like this fancy blue vest with all kinds of jewels and gems on it. Samuel wore a linen ephod while ministering before the Lord, which was characteristic of the ordinary priest. Verse 19 says, Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him <coughs> when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. 
Then they would go home, and the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. To grow up in the presence of the Lord is an incredible thing. I can say that as a testimony to my own life. It's funny, I know I went through years and decades of dryness and uh, wandering and wondering what God was doing, but I tell you, the times where God's presence comes upon me dwarfs those other times when it's dry and boring and I wished I was doing something else. 20 years of church attendance, practical service, worship, messages, then the encounter. Driving, you heard the story, it's one of those stories I've said before. Driving to work to my janitor job in Sunnyvale, listening to Emmanuel Candace Tracy on the camp meeting hour, and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in my car. A January day, very cold. It was so hot in my car. It was so hot when I got out. 20 years, and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 20 years, and then God moves on me. It's incredible. But we're called to walk. We're called to live day by day. We're called to endure. We're called to go through tests and trials and to stand when everything's coming against us. But I tell you, the presence of God never fails. Tomorrow is the 22nd of July. Tomorrow, 20 years ago, I said goodbye to my co-workers and my boss who didn't think I was really going to quit. But 20 years tomorrow ago, I quit. I quit. We sold our house to come down here. Time goes so fast. What about Jesus? In Luke 4, 16-21, And Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, into his father's house, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I tell you, the tabernacle came alive that day when Jesus stepped out of the ordinary routine of reading scripture and the anointing of God released the word of God so the people could hear in a new, fresh way. We know that the Pharisees and scribes began to say, he speaks in a way that's different than people speak. I hear that people who like to hunt go to a place where the game they're looking for can be hunted. I know you girls are great shoppers, and you go to a place where the merchandise you're looking for can be purchased. Those who want the Lord come into his house, the local church. We come to the church to hear from him. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, today to each heart, to each person. Our purpose is worship and service in this house. Some of you serve in practical ways and serving into the house and out of the house. But in our service, we are to hear the Lord speak to us. We are to listen for his voice. 
I tell you, there's no greater person to hear than God speak to our heart. In 1 Samuel 2.22, Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, continued to do evil in the tabernacle. In 1 Samuel 2.26, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and favor with the Lord and with the people. Growth naturally and spiritually is slow. But God is doing something, he's building something inside of us that it cannot be experienced in, in a quick way. It takes time both in our character and what God wants to do in us to train us before we see results in our life. Prophecy against Eli's house. In 1 Samuel 2, 27-34, a prophet pronounces God's judgment because Eli's two sons did not listen to their father. In this, there's a promise of a faithful priest. In 1 Samuel 2.35, God says, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in the, my heart and my mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house and they will minister before my anointed one always. Can you imagine that prophetic word when people that had gone to the temple and were going to the temple saw such corruption from Hopni and Phineas? when they saw the, the desecration of the house of God where the ark was, where things were not done right. Can you imagine when that word of the Lord came? Again, God was very gracious. I believe he was very gracious to Hopni and Phineas. He was hoping and giving them time to repent. And it's also it's kind of hard sometimes when things are allowed to go long before God's judgment. And God says, enough of this. But sometimes that happens. The Old Testament priests offered sacrifices, burned lamps that symbolized prayers. It is prayer that causes Samuel's birth and dedication for service to the Lord. He had closed Hannah's womb. That transition in Samuel's early life from religious duty to communion with the Lord and hearing his voice was an incredible time. Samuel hears the Lord's call. In 1 Samuel 3, 1, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Again, the time was part of even Samuel's training. Part of him coming under authority before he would receive authority. A time of testing so that when he stood up, he could remain strong as a spiritual leader. Revivals, outpourings of the Spirit continually come, especially when there's darkness and evil all around us, when there's sin and oppression. A lot of times we go through a lot of oppression as God's people, but hang on, there's about to be in a great outpouring of His Holy Spirit because God does not leave His people under oppression. In 1 Samuel 3, 2 and 3, one night Eli, who's, Eli whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord. I want to encourage you guys today about the secret place. There's a secret place, a quiet place, where you can rest. In the stillness, God is there. Quiet, in stillness, 
He can be experienced. And in our busy time, the enemy keeps us overwhelmed. The crises and demands of life, and uh, com- those of you who commute know how overwhelming it could be. But I tell you, you must steal away. You must find moments in the quiet place. You must find places in the stillness of God's presence. And I'm not talking about just listening to a lot of spiritual things. You listen to whatever you feel like to listen to, but nothing can take the place of you and God and the Word of God that He's speaking to you. The Word of God, a lot of words can just be a distraction, but you must meet Him in the still, quiet place. You must meet Him in the secret place. That's where something happens inside, where you feel the overflowing, where you're aware that I am in relationship with this God that people don't even understand who He is or what's it about. This is why we go to church. This is why we align ourselves. We give our money and we serve. We do things that we wouldn't do. It's because it's a real thing being in the presence of God. And there is nothing like being with Him that will change your life and cause you to find the purposes of God, cause you to do the things that maybe in your mind you wouldn't think would be profitable, but you find great purpose, great satisfaction, and great fulfillment because it's God's will. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Little did he know, but the power of God he was sleeping next to was about to come out of that box and speak to him. Matthew's, Henry's commentary. Excuse me, I have a little tears coming out of my eyes. It just seemed he lay somewhere so near the holy place that he, Samuel, went to bed by that light before any of the lamps and the branches of the candlestick went out, for the main lamp never went out, which probably was toward midnight. Till that time, Samuel had been employing himself in some good exercise or other, reading and prayer, or perhaps cleaning or making ready the holy place. And then he went softly to his bed. Then we may expect God's gracious visits when we are constant and diligent in our duty. Again, sometimes we get tired of serving God. We get tired of, we get lazy. And yeah, it's good to take breaks and take, uh, take some vacations. It's, it's, it's a great thing to do. It refreshes you. But don't get tired of serving because in the midst of serving, you're going to encounter God. Lamps refer to the prayers, ministry of the word by the spirit of God, worship and offerings. Priests offered those kind of things to the Lord. Don't let your lamp of continuous prayer go out. Don't stop praying. And if you haven't been praying much, it's okay. Don't beat yourself. Start praying. Start connecting with God. Let the prayers pour out of your heart. Let the Holy Spirit pray through you if you can speak in the Spirit. Cry out to the Lord. Do that warfare of those things that you know you need to do warfare about. Sit in His presence. I like the word then. Then is a word that speaks of change. The kind of change that only God can bring. In 1 Samuel 3, 4. Then the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel answered, here I am. As soon as Samuel heard the call, he responded. Sometimes we miss some of the great goodness of God because we hear but we don't quickly hear and do everything that God is saying. Discerning the Lord's voice. 1 Samuel 3, 5-9 through 9. 
And Samuel ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. It's interesting. It shows again Eli as the man of God, the priest who had been training up Samuel, that when he thought he heard something, he ran and got clarification to find out who he was hearing and what he was hearing, and he went to a spiritual leader. Very incredible thing. Our spiritual leadership here, it's not like we're God or anything, but sometimes in, in getting counsel out of your own mouth, your counsel, your spiritual leaders will help draw out what God is really saying to you so you can make the decision that is best for you. But Eli said, oh, and Samuel ran to Eli and said, here I am, you call me. But, but Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called to Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you call me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. It's interesting he's saying the same way. Go wait, be quiet, listen with your heart and with your spirit. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. It might be strange when God begins to talk to you because it's not a familiar voice, but you can train your heart and your spirit by being in the still place, by being in His presence, by being in the Word of God yourself, where God will speak to you. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lay down. Samuel did not know the Lord's voice. The Word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Again, we're here, but we're, every week we believe that God is going to say something profound. We never come to church, or we should never come to church thinking like it's just going to be another routine service, it's just going to be a boring service. No, we're coming here collectively to hear God. Each one of us brings the presence of God and our gifts and all that we are in Him as a corporate unit. Our prayers and the things that are going to happen in a few minutes of just people praying are all powerful and God moving through His body to bring healing, revelation, and encouragement to the rest of the body. To hear the Lord is an amazing thing. A third time the Lord called to Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy Samuel. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. You know, in this thing with God, it almost seems like God is like doing the cat and mouse thing with us. Or he's teasing us. And we can get so frustrated because we go, okay, I got a revelation. I need to spend some time. And you can get frustrated, spend a little, little quiet time, and, and like God's not speaking, don't get frustrated. Don't get frustrated. Go out and do what you need to do, but keep pulling back. God, I'm going to be quiet before you. I want to, I want to fellowship. I want to commune with you. And it's going to happen. It's going to start developing more and more, and then you're going to look forward to going into the presence, going into the quiet place, and communing with the Lord. The Lord stood by Samuel. In 1 Samuel 3.10, the Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Jesus said in John 10.27, My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me.